Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are in week two of our series, The Beautiful One. And what a beautiful series this has been. And it's all about beholding this beautiful one, this person, Jesus Christ, the most beautiful person who has ever walked the roads of our earth. If you uh, listened to last week's message, you would have heard that this Jesus, although he is the beautiful one, wasn't necessarily on face value beautiful and attractive and popular. He wasn't famous. This was mainly because of what he said and how he lived, that people didn't necessarily found him beautiful. Uh, We, as modern Christians, so to speak, would, would probably have been offended at the way that he lived, at the things that he said. Now, in the Middle Ages, the church underwent massive technological advancement with the advent of the stained glass window. This was like, this was like cutting edge technology, pun intended. But this was amazing. This was sort of the forerunner of, of the projector. And what they did is they designed these uh, stained glass windows with beautiful, fantastical uh, pictures of of Jesus, of what they wanted people to believe of what Jesus looked like and how he looked. But you see, they made the same mistake as we also do. They tried to portray Jesus to the outside world uh, as this beautiful, attractive, uh, almost harmless creature. But you see, if you want to truly see beauty, you have to be willing to be confronted, confronted by the uncomfortable and the ugly, and the not so nice. Now, in our main scripture tonight from Matthew 15, we see how Jesus comes and he he takes his disciples out of their comfort. As a matter of fact, right to the edges of their discomfort. And he tries to teach them something. He tries to help them see themselves. We see towards the end how Jesus actually opens their eyes to, to what they look like. He tries to open their eyes to see God. Who is God really? What is God really saying through the gospel? And then also, he teaches them to see people differently. Now, in Matthew 15, we find this this very intriguing conversation taking place between Jesus and his disciples. So the disciples and the the teachers of the law had all these laws and things. And one of these laws was, or many of them, were about ritual cleanness. What, what What were the things that you had to do to be to be uh, declared clean, ritually clean, uh, as it were, beautiful before God. And then the the Pharisees had this axe to grind with Jesus' disciples. They said, well, Jesus, your disciples are are in contravention of these laws because what they are doing is they're not washing their hands before dinner. I don't know who of you here are parents, but we try and teach our kids to wash their hands before dinner because you never know where those little fingers were before dinner time. Now, just a little sidetrack here. With the whole uh, coronavirus threat at the moment, it's a good idea to wash your hands. And hopefully you've been listening to all the media uh, advice and prescriptions there. It's good to wash your hands often and use a little bit of alcohol also on your hands, not somewhere else. On your hands, the alcohol is good. And so now what these, uh, what these uh, Pharisees said is they said, well, Jesus, your disciples, we're watching them, and we can see they don't wash their hands before dinner time, and therefore they are ritually unclean. 
And then Jesus responds to them in a very surprising way. And we'll see that even the disciples struggle to understand this. Jesus says in Matthew 15, verse 10, he says, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile him, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Now, this must have been so perplexing, even for Jesus' disciples. Have you ever been at that place where you, you are convinced God wants to tell you something, but you don't have a clue what it is? Maybe you, you're reading Scripture, reading the Bible, and you say, God, this, something about the Scripture is jumping out. I just I don't know what you're trying to say. Uh, maybe someone comes to you and shares a word with you, and you say, God, I, I know you're trying to say something. I just don't know what. Maybe you look at looking at circumstances. Perhaps there's this, this terrible thing of the coronavirus. Maybe it's some, some crisis or some challenge that you're facing in your family. And you're saying, God, I know that you work in and through all circumstances. What is it that you're trying to say to me? I know where some of you were at school, and I know where I was at school also, the teachers would encourage children to be engaged in classes, and then they'd say, there is no such thing as a stupid question. Did you grow up like that? Yeah, everyone thinks so, except your buddies when you put up your hand. They make fun of you. But so, so Peter literally gets out of the boat again here, and he says, Lord, I have a question. He says, Jesus, explain this to us. We don't understand. Jesus says in Matthew 15, from verse 16, he takes it head on. He says, are you so dull? We would say, as you don't know, Dorman, are you stupid? Jesus is saying, are you so dull? Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Okay, Jesus, we follow you until here. Don't share the detail. We understand that. Whatever goes into the mouth goes into the body and out. And then verse 18, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile him. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are, are, these are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So Jesus is just stating the obvious. You can imagine his disciples having grown up with this idea that if I don't wash my hands, I'm actually ritually unclean. And Jesus explains everything. And I can imagine the, the blank sheepish, sheepish stare in their faces still. And so Jesus decides, okay, guys, it's time to leave the classroom. Let's go on a road trip. And Jesus takes them on a road, road trip. Right after this confrontation with the Pharisees, Jesus takes the, his disciples, we're going to see now, right to the edge of their discomfort. They had to go for a practical. And so the Bible says, verse 21 there in Matthew 15, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, this was a journey between Jerusalem and Galilee, it was about 30, uh, 80 kilometers detour. And this was the only time that we see Jesus actually traveling abroad. Now, we have to understand this region that they were traveling to was so-called unclean country. And he's taking his disciples with him. You can just imagine what's going through their heads as they traveling on this road, what they're saying to each other. They, they're thinking, Jesus, we, we missed the turn off. We, this is the wrong direction. Jer Jerusalem is in that direction. We can't go here because if we do, we're going to run the risk of becoming unclean. We're going to a, an unclean country. Just think of your own circumstances. Have you ever been there? You say, God, this is the wrong job. Can't be. I applied for that one. I wanted to do that one. Now I'm doing this one. How can it be, Lord? This can't be you. Uh, um, Lord, why this university? I didn't want to go to this one. Why Bloemfontein, of all places? 
I didn't want to go to Bloemfontein, God. You must have the wrong address. But have you considered that the place where you are at is actually exactly where God wants you to be? Because it's not about you. It's about the people that God wants you to touch while you are here. He wants you to touch their lives. Okay, so we've got this beautiful phenomenon that we see. We're going to see it unfold now. It's this big word, paradox. What's a paradox? Well, a paradox is a person or thing that combines contradictory features or qualities. So you'll see the picture here on the screen. If you look at it, um, can you see the beautiful lady or the ugly lady? Who of you can see the beautiful lady? Hey, there you go. Okay, so that's a paradox. Uh, and we see in our story today how the most beautiful one, the beautiful one, Jesus Christ, how he says something that seems to be very ugly, that he says some ugly words. So let's carry on with the story. Jesus and his disciples arrive uh, in the unclean country and his disciples were probably thinking, I'm just trying to imagine what they're thinking. So they're going to, into this place. They, they're not actually supposed to be there. And I can just imagine, they're still getting to know Jesus as the Son of God. So what are they doing? They're silently praying to Yahweh. They're praying to God. They're saying, oh God, please, please, God, just don't let them see us. Don't let them notice us. Lord, Father, you know your Son. You know Jesus. You know what He's like. You know, the moment someone wants to talk to Him, He's there and He wants to speak to them. He wants to help them. Please, Lord, just don't let this happen this time. We, we, we just want to be in and out quickly. Just go through this country. It's like when you're on leave and, um, and you realize you've forgotten your, your phone charger in the office. And now you have to go back, but you're actually on leave. And you know, you know if I go there and this one person, if he sees me, he's going to go, I know you're on leave, but can you just quickly help me with this thing? And then you know you're going to be there for the whole day. So you just sneak in and out. It's sort of that thing where the disciples are saying, God, please, just don't let anyone see us. But verse 22 says, A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, to Jesus, crying out. I can just hear Dory saying, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Don't pay any attention. And she says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. You can hear the disciples saying, Lord, this is the wrong place, the wrong person. Obviously, her daughter is suffering from demon possession because they are unclean people. They are in an unclean country. We've heard since our birth how terrible these people are, how unclean and defiled they are. Then verse 23 says, Jesus did not answer her a word. Can you imagine the disciples' relief? They're thinking, well, either Jesus can't hear or he's just ignoring her. They're so glad. But then the next thing happens. Jesus does hear her and the disciples say, say, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. Jesus, you don't have to pay attention. But you see what happens then is Jesus does what Jesus does. He engaged this woman. He starts speaking to her. But he says the following. He says very, very abruptly, very straight. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And again, you can just see the disciples going, yes, now you're telling her. She's not meant to have any help from you. Uh, you've come for the Israelites. You don't have to pay her any attention. But the funny thing is this woman is not put off. Verse 25 says, the, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. 
she said. And you can imagine the disciples going, when will she get the message? She must go away. But she doesn't. She, she cries out to Jesus. And maybe the disciples were thinking, well, can she do that? She's saying, Lord. How can she say, Lord? It's only, it's only good people. It's only church people that can speak to Jesus and say, Lord, help me. They don't want her there. They think she belongs in an unclean country. They just want to get out of there. But then it goes even further. This beautiful one, Jesus, he says something terrible and ugly. The beautiful one says the following. He says, it is not right. Because she's pleading with him. She's saying, Lord, help me. Help my daughter. He says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Did we hear correctly? Jesus saying to this woman, she's a dog. Now, to us, this is quite shocking. But to any Jewish person, any Canaanite woman, a person from that time, it wouldn't have been strange because the Jews and the Canaanites had this very uh, terrible, hostile relationship. Uh, that was the way the Jews spoke about, uh, about non-Jews, about the Canaanites specifically. But to us, in a postmodern society, when you hear that someone is being addressed as a dog, obviously this is terrible. You can't believe it. Just to prove our sensitivity to it, some of the Bible translations in translating this part, it doesn't use the word dog. It actually tries to soften it a bit. It says, Jesus said she was a little dog, like a lap dog. Maybe like a little, uh, what's those things, a Maltese poodle. Although to me, that would be even more, more of an insult, but that's just me. But, but some of the translators actually use that just to try and soften it. And so here we see the most beautiful one saying the ugliest words to someone. If Jesus would have said that to any of us, there would, be, would have been a lawsuit, I think, in our modern times. But then the woman responds as follows. Jesus has just called her a dog. She says, yes, it is, Lord. It is not right to give the crumbs of the children to the dogs. No surprise there, it makes sense. Jesus was a Jewish man, and she agrees with him, but she doesn't try and justify herself. She doesn't try and uh, insult Jesus, but she says the following, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus responds in the following way, in verse 28. He says, women, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at the moment. Can you hear what's happening here? This Gentile woman comes. She says, Lord, I need help. Help me. Jesus says, no, the dogs, I can't help the dogs. She says, yes, Lord, I know. But even, even the dogs get the little crumbs from the table, the children's table. And Jesus sees something in her. He says, I see great faith in you. I grant your request. Now you can imagine the disciples freaking out. Because Jesus tells this Canaanite woman, this dog, that she has great faith. You know what? Jesus only told two people, ever told two people that they had great faith. The one was a centurion, a Roman soldier, the enemy, and the other one was this lady. I think Peter must have said, well, you never even told me that I have great faith. I got out of the boat. Why don't you tell me that I've got faith? This is ridiculous. But we need to take note of Jesus' response here. And this is again where this, where this paradox comes in. Because in the one, on the one hand, Jesus is agreeing with the Pharisees. He's agreeing with his teaching. He's saying, yes, this woman is a dog. She's a Gentile. She's not part of Israel. And so you see Jesus rejecting her in that moment when he says, 
Well, she's a, she's a dog. <laughs> she's one of the Gentiles. But then the other side of that, which is so beautiful, and we have to pay attention to this because Jesus is not only mirroring the status quo of those days, but he's saying, disciples, I've taken you on this tour, this study tour. I want to take you to the edges of your discomfort. I want to show you God's heart. Remember at the start we said that Jesus wanted to show these people their own hearts. He wanted to show them also God's heart. And Jesus is saying, I want to show you God's heart for everyone. He says, you're missing the point. Remember at the start we said this whole fight about what makes you clean and unclean. And then Jesus takes them on this journey. And Jesus says, it is not the outside that makes you unclean, but what comes from the heart that defiles you. And he's actually saying to them, point in case is this woman. She lives in unclean country among unclean people. She is a Gentile. She is a dog. But still inside of her, there's this beautiful thing called faith that we can see welling up from inside of her. So what is Jesus saying? What is he saying to you and me tonight? What was he saying to his disciples? Well, he's using this image of a dog. And he's saying, he's saying, well, this is an unclean animal. And even, obviously, to the Jews, even to us today, you would know your little lap dog at home or your big dog at home or whatever it is. You can, you can wash and shampoo and pedicure and you can put a ribbon around its head and whatever. But if it sees that, that unidentifiable thing on the lawn, it will go and eat it. That is a dog. And that's why you don't allow your dog at the dinner, dinner table. And if you do, please stop. You need help. We don't allow our dogs to eat at the dinner table. But don't miss this. You see, what Jesus is saying here is from the gospel perspective, from the perspective of God reaching out through his son, Jesus Christ, to mankind, God is reaching out in his total, perfect cleanness and holiness to the whole of mankind in our total uncleanness and unworthiness and unholiness through the gospel perspective. And Jesus is applying this picture of the uncleanness of a dog to all people. You see, unless you and I understand tonight that, that speaking about mankind, speaking about you and me, that we are totally unclean, and undeserving before God to get a place at the table. God is using this, this picture. He's using the, this age-old tradition where the Jews said, well, well, the Gentiles, they're dogs. They can't come near God. They are unclean. God is using this. Jesus is using this. And he's actually saying, well, all of us are undeserving of receiving a place at the table. And this woman knows exactly what Jesus is saying. She's saying, yes, I am unclean, Jesus. Yes, I am undeserving. Yes, I don't qualify. But, and this we have to know because this is the gospel, your mercy is enough to clean up my mess. She sees now already what would become crystal clear later on the cross. And it's again this paradox. It's again these two pictures. The one is the, the terror of the cross, the ugly picture of the cross of Jesus hanging there naked, bleeding, his body torn apart, 
looking like, like someone is punishing him. Isaiah 53 says uh, his, his face, his whole demeanor would be deformed. It, we would, he would barely be recognizable. And we would think God is punishing him for something that he's done wrong. But then the other side, the beautiful side of it is that the cross is beautiful. We see Jesus, the Son of God, giving himself willingly for us. We see Jesus paying the price. We see D Jesus praying for you as he hangs on the cross. He says, God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. We see Jesus taking the blow of the curse of sin and of God's judgment for our transgressions. And we think of Paul writing in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus hangs on the cross, weak, stripped of all respect, all dignity. He becomes weak for you so that you may become strong. Jesus became weak for you. And you see where this woman was unclean, she understood that his grace would clean her up. Her broken heart would be made new by his broken body where she failed he would succeed. And I want you to hear tonight where you failed, Jesus has succeeded. It's so important tonight that you and I take for ourselves, appropriate the implications, the full implications of the cross of Jesus Christ, where we understand that nothing we have to bring, uh, neither our background nor our race or gender or qualifications or status, nothing can buy us a place at that table. Scripture here uses the image of a dog. And tonight, I, wanna, I want you to just reflect for a moment. Perhaps where you have been up to now in your life, uh, there may have been times when you've looked at other people and you have criticized and judged them. Uh, you know, how could God love them? Would God love them? But if you're honest, perhaps you yourself have thought to yourself, well, I can't have a place at the table because, because I feel like a dog. I feel that I don't deserve Jesus Christ, that I don't deserve anything more than just the crumbs off the table. If God just gives me something, then I'll be happy. I want to I reassure you tonight, the gospel says, the word of God says that if we allow Jesus to come and clean up our mess, so to speak. If we allow Jesus to, to transfer us from a place of feeling like a dog to what he's intended for us, we have a place at his table. The word of God says that, that Jesus came and that he that had knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The Bible says that you and I, in Jesus, have been given sonship. That means that we have been adopted into God's family. And that means that you're sitting at the table. What is this picture of a table? What is this table? It's a, it's a, it's a dinner table. It's your kitchen table. It's your dining room, room table. It's where family gets together, father, mother, children, and everyone has equal rights. Everyone has a right to have seconds. Everyone has a right to say something. Everyone has a right to say, this is my father. Tonight, God wants to come and tell you that if up till now you've thought of yourself as a dog, as not deserving God's grace, that he wants to translate you from that place. And say, so I want you to have a place at the table. Maybe tonight we can just create a moment for that. Perhaps you... 
you saying that in your heart tonight. Maybe you just want a moment with the Lord tonight and say, Lord, I, I hear what your word is saying. And tonight I choose Jesus. I choose this wonderful news, Lord, that yes, I don't deserve it. But in Christ, I am given life in abundance and I can sit at your table. Can I pray for you? Lord, thank you tonight for the wonder of the gospel. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that when we, that when we read this portion of scripture... Lord, you're not talking only about people 2,000 years ago. You're not only talking about circumstances and a culture far removed from us, Lord, but, but your word, Lord, speaks into our hearts. And tonight, Lord, we can say, yes, I take hold of these promises. I refuse the lie that I am just a dog who gets the crumbs off the table, just the, the urskit, Lord, but that I get the fullness of joy, the fullness of of spiritual blessings, the fullness of adoption as a son of God, so that I don't have to grovel on the ground, Lord, but that I can come and sit at the table as a legitimate son of God. Lord, thank you that I can pray that for each and every one year. Lord, thank you for the beauty of the cross, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, this is the end of our time together tonight. Just before we leave, you will see all around you, Envelopes, you're welcome to choose anyone you want. And if you've come prepared with some cash that you'd like to put in there, uh, we love as a family to, to teach people, to have it as a discipline that we have good financial stewardship. So if you are someone who brings your tithe, your offering in cash, you're so welcome to put it in there, drop it in one of our uh, giving boxes afterwards. Or if you are an electronic uh, tither, paying electronically, you are welcome to also do that. Uh, please check out our Facebook page. Uh, make sure that you follow all, all our news and stay in touch with everything we do. And that is it. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.